All right, man. Here we are again. Uh, it's hard to believe it's this is the 11th episode, and uh, it's kind of cool, you know. Um, just consistency, man. Just do a little bit. Just keep doing it, and next thing you know, I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, this is kind of it's kind of cool. It's it's kind of big or big for me. Um, but uh, yeah, 11th episode, and I feel. I feel like doing this has made me more thoughtful in my life. Just, it's like something about breathing life into your thoughts, saying them out loud and sharing them. And then if you really want to be mature, like responsible, like having having to throw them out there to the world, then you have to take ownership for them. Makes you want to think about what you're saying before you say it. And uh, I've, I've, I like that. I'm enjoying it. So, um, episode 11. And, um, hey, this is my second take on this one. I didn't, I I recorded last night and I didn't like it. Um, because I I went in some directions. I was just like, hey, that's not, I wasn't ready to go there. But then I, I found myself going there off of, not script per se, but, and then I like well, so then I spent all night last night and better part of this morning thinking like, why did I go there? If if I kind of my stream of consciousness wanders that direction, there must be something going on for me in that direction. And so I want to um, I want to take a look at that a little bit more before I throw it out there to the world, you know. And so I'm redoing it this morning. I think I'll be a little bit more succinct, more clear, also. Um, because I wanted to talk about something that was is important to me, and it's about that little dirty dart box that's been stored up. You know, I did an Instagram post about it uh, last week in order to kind of hold myself accountable for doing this one this week. Uh, not to build up any drama or anything. Just I just like, hey, I'm gonna put that out there. And uh, there's been a couple little things that have happened that just I feel like okay hey these are coincidences but there's signs you know I believe in the signs so maybe I'll just talk about it and um so here we are uh hey there's there's nothing I'm not broken man and I appreciate people reaching out and offering me advice on life and giving me feedback on I'm doing okay and be strong and, and and I appreciate that um that's not why I'm sharing these things I'm not sharing these things because I'm lost and I need help I mean we all we all could use help from time to time I'm sure um but that's that's not the purpose of me doing a podcast it's to just share things that are going on inside of my head my heart that I I think because I don't think I'm exceptional and I don't think I'm broken I think I'm perfectly normal and I think people out there probably wrestle with things and think about things and process things just like I do some similar, some not, I don't know. And, you know, we're inundated with all these super successful people podcasting and they put up these, these veils or these curtains. And, you know, I listen to it and I'm thinking like, wow, man, I don't think like that. What's wrong with me? I guess I'm not successful. And, um, I just think that's an unintended consequence of, um, for some people, you know, and, uh, this is just my, my piece, you know, just trying to be myself, share these thoughts so that people who can connect or 
this this thought process or these messages or these feelings resonate with them, you know, maybe um maybe it makes a connection and it helps. You know, I'm not um I I ask myself these questions and I argue with myself out loud because I think it it's helpful for me and it's not because I don't have answers and it's not because I believe in this or don't believe in that. Like believe me, I'm 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 pretty tuned in. So Anyways, uh, maybe I'll talk more about that another day, but I think I'm just sensitive to it right now because I'm going to get ready to go into this, and then inevitably I'm going to get a whole bunch of feedback, and and I, like, yeah, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking, wait, wait, I'm looking for feedback on, hey, the podcast is good, hey, you could do this better, or hey, I'd love to hear about this, or I'd love to hear about that. I'm not looking for feedback on my life. I'm not looking for some stranger or somebody else to give me permission to live the life the way I am by saying, Hey, you're doing fine. You're okay. Be strong. Or to tell me that I, I should do this different. Like that's not what I'm doing. Um, I think that'll come out more in the end when I, when I talk about my, my, my final piece here, but, um, I was going to talk about compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing, um, these exceptional moments that I've had in my career and not dealing with them and just kind of tucking them away and whether that's healthy or not healthy, whether that was constructive or not constructive. Um, and I think it's both of both of those for different people, different places, different times, different reasons. And I just wanted to talk about the why I chose to handle it the way I handled it. Not that I was completely resistant to the shit that we experienced over there. You know, it, it did affect me affected me very deeply, but I, I refused it in the moment. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about that. And here's, here's, here's how it was triggered. Okay. Here's how it was triggered. So for, I don't know, for the last couple of months, I finally gave in. I don't want to say I gave in. I, I, I matured in my thought process, in my, in my appreciation for yeah, just going to the VA and talking to some people, getting checkups, checking on my general physical health, things like that, you know. Um, I, I owe it. I owe it to my family, my loved ones, the people that love me to, to make sure that I'm healthy, you know. And so um, that's been kind of been going on. And, and I'm also now coming up on, I don't know what, I mean, 15 year, 16 year of March 25th. Uh, 2003 right I'm coming up on, on every year I deal with you know I'm it's not it's not like it breaks me but it's like yeah, hey I'm pretty I'm pretty aware but it's March 25th you know and um, I've I've been removed from it for a long time now and now I'm in this this cool civilian space and I've just been bringing this box now. I've been pulling sandbags off of it. I've been taking barriers and reinforcements away. And I just can be kind of opening that box up a little bit that I've been just purposely pushing way back into the deep spots so I didn't have to deal with it. And it's And it's been good, you know, doing it on my terms right now and comfort and safety with with loved ones and support structures and a different mindset you know I'm outside of my career I'm in a good place it's a, it seems like a good time to to start to 
untangle this thing. And uh, here's 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 how I was triggered to start this conversation. It was um, I was down I was down in Texas at a at an event. I was asked to come down there and hang out for a few days with some troops, do a field op, and meet some people and talk. I was the guest of honor, something something. And nobody knew who I really was. All I was was this um this dude wearing marine camis, and he had this baller beard on. And it's like, hey, what what's this guy doing? And and uh, I mean, I'm a sergeant major's nightmare. You know, Sag Madge would have been shitting bricks, but um. You know, nasty. But uh, hey, you're tired. I can do. I can do whatever I want, man. So maybe I can't, but I think I can half the time. And so I'm down there. I'm hanging out, and and it's, it's awesome. You know, it's all about readiness and and just getting getting people that are in our training environment and getting them out and getting them that operational focus again, re- recentering their purpose. Um, and and I love that stuff. And it was a great way time for me to to reconnect with a good friend. And it was a um, time for me to reconnect with troops and in military culture. And inevitably, every time I do that, thoughts and stuff come back, you know. And that's fine. I think it's good. It's healthy. And um, so, anyways, I met this guy, this one guy. And uh, and hey, I'm not bashing this dude at all because I think he's a really cool cat, and he did a lot of time in the military across multiple services doing cool stuff like there's no doubt and um i got to meet him and the first time you know shake hands hello how you doing i'm so and so i'm so and so oh hey cool like and he asks me a couple questions simple simple stuff and then uh the boss says hey he's our guest and he's done this and he's done that and we just got him down here doing whatever and he's like oh okay and he starts to dabble into just war stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, hey, cool. Like, I got it. I'm just not, I'm not there talking to a stranger about this. And I'm not a chest thumper. I don't like to to, to talk about all these things. I don't need to. I'm not interested in it. And... And it wasn't it wasn't a weird it wasn't an ugly conversation or anything like that. It was super simple. It was just very naive. Anyways, he asked a question, basically about how I was doing. And I thought it was strange at the time, because I don't think he really knew who I was. He just made some assumptions, and then he asked how I was doing. And I didn't like that question. Um, wasn't insulted by it or anything, and. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, what do, what do you want me to What do you want me to say? Right? I mean, you want me to go into a, a, a an hour long conversation with you and share with you all of these things that I'm dealing with and I'm wrestling with and that I and how and I mean, I just met you and this isn't even the time or the place to be having this conversation, let alone just meeting you, you know. And so I was just like, yeah, hey, man, I'm 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 great, dude. I mean, come on. Living, living a dream. Uh, hey, I'm gonna go get some water, and then I left. <laughs> and so uh, that was that. But then, the next day, he comes up to me, almost as if he's seeking me out. And um, you know, super cool cat, man. Older, older guy, cool cat. Probably seen some stuff himself. And uh, 
he just wants to shake my hand. Oh my God, you know, I, hey, I, re- I thought I remembered your name. I heard it before. You know, I went back and I read your citation and your story and, you know, you're, we're really proud of you. You went down in history books and you made the core better and we're proud of you. And, and it just, to me, that, that's, number one, I have a problem with, with people like to talk like that. I know they don't mean it, but it just feels very condescending. You know, I don't know you. Who are you to be, who are you to stake a claim on being proud of me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And what are you proud of even more so? Because I'm not proud of what I had to do. You know? Um, I'm I'm proud of who I am and how I conducted myself, but I'm not proud of one thing that I had to do. Because it was horrific. It was disgusting. Um, and so, like, yeah, I, I kind of take that. And I know I'm weird, man. We all know I'm weird how I take things. So that whole conversation just started to get me buzzed. And then he wants to ask, so how am I handling it? And I'm just like, hey, there's that question again. Like, what do you really want to know? Because this is not cool. I don't even know you. I've Up to this point, I've spent a total of 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops with you. Don't know you. This is not the right setting for this conversation. And you're going to ask me that question? Like, how am I handling it? How am I handling what? You think you think that March 25th was the only only day? Just because that's what's on, on the internet and, and I get get an award for it? Like, uh, I mean, that's just the start. That was one day. That was, that was just the start of an awful lot of things that inevitably just went in the box. I mean, nine months for OIF-1. You think you think March 25th was the only contact we had? You think those are the only people that we crushed? You know? Fallujah? Are you kidding me? I did more in one day of Fallujah than I did during half the war. So, you know, you, you want to talk about these, these 20 people. Well, what about the other 800,000? You know? Crazy. And it's not fair to him to, to be thinking this, but this is, this is, this is, these are my feelings in a moment, right? And this is where I'm, I'm processing this thing. And I'm finding myself going down this, this hole of getting really grumpy with the guy. And here's how I responded. I like, I kind of like, he, man, he's older. I mean, he must be in his late sixties, seventies. Um, great looking, good shape, like just a cool cat, man. And I just kind of grabbed his arm and I kind of pulled and pushed him a little bit and threw a couple soft little punches in his ribs. Like, come on, man, you can't ask that question. That's, that ain't right. You don't ask that. You know, and a, and a little truth to every joke, trying to deflect, add a little... I mean, that's me being uncomfortable. When when I start to do stuff like that, that's me being uncomfortable. And he goes, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a so-and-so. I get to ask those questions. And that's when I was just like, yeah, no, you don't. I don't you don't get to ask those questions. And that's that's one of the worst questions you can ever ask somebody. And I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care if you're... I don't care if you're the Pope. I don't care if you're Jesus... You just don't ask that question. Certainly not in this time and place, this setting, and, and after only knowing you for 15 minutes, you have no idea, you have no idea the damage you're doing by asking that question. And I don't want to say damage, I don't want to be dramatic, but where you're putting my head, because you have no idea what state I'm in 
in my processing all of this, let alone you're, you're totally ignorant to the fact that March 25th was, was, while it was crazy, it pales in comparison to a lot of things. And I'm not here to tell you war stories, and I'm not here to do anything. Like, if you're listening for me to share how we did this and how we did that, like, not, you're here for the wrong reasons, because that's not me. There's so many things that we did that I've never talked about to my family, my loved ones. Uh, only people that know about it are the people that were there with me at that time. Um, every now and then I'll, I'll get drunk and we'll be around some really close friends that have done things and we'll, we'll share a couple stories. And the next thing you know, I inevitably find myself sharing a story that I've never shared before. Half the time it's because I didn't even remember it, which is a whole another story. But, um, and then you just kind of go into this recall and then it's like, wow. And then you share the story and then you just stop and you're like, uh, did I just ruin the party? <laughs> But, uh, you know, this guy asked this question, man. It's like he just pulled this scab, man. I've got this giant scab. And it's it's healing. It's still healing, this wound. And you just picked it off. You just ripped it off. It's not your scab to pull. You don't ask that question. How are you doing? How are you handling it? shit man I haven't even there was one other there was one other person that I remember in my past that asked me that question and it was at my brother's wedding and he had been a Vietnam vet and he had done some stuff and he struggled and I mean he's a cool cat I had a relationship I mean I was really really young I hadn't seen him in 15 20 years 25 years 20 years doesn't matter and then I'm at my brother's wedding reception, and he just kind of comes up to the booth. Hey, Brian, how you doing? And, hey, man, how you doing? How you do? No, no, like really, like how you doing with all that? And I just, I just wanted to. I was just like, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Here now, you're gonna pull that scab. You're gonna pull that box open. It's not your box to take off the shelf. Number one, let alone lift the lid, and make me deal with that. Not here, not now, not in this setting. Oh, man. So that's kind of what triggered me. I had my scab pulled off. And I get it. Maybe the scab, sometimes you go to the doctors and scabs need to be pulled off because there's like some dirt or some hair underneath it and it's slowing the healing down, right? I think that's fair. I've got, I get those, like you get a, you get a hair stuck inside of a scab and then the scab sort of festers and it's just like, oh man, I got to pull that scab off and I got to pull the hair out. So that this that the heals. And um hey, did you know that there's a there's a term for people that pick at themselves all the time, whether they have scabs or not, like pulling their head triptotillomaniac. I don't know why I know that, but a triptotillomaniac. I'm gonna Google that when I get out of this. But um so yeah, pulling pulling the scab off is important in the right setting, you know, with a doctor, with a professional, they've got I don't know. I'm not a big antiseptic fan and whatever bandages. I'm not that kind of a guy, but right. Like usually you don't rip open a scab off a giant wound unless you have, you pull a bandage off unless you have, you know, fresh bandage and some, some hydrogen peroxide or something to rub on there, you know, but here he is. Here's this stranger ripping that open on me, putting me in this place. And you know, inevitably it's been healthy for me because I've been thinking about it. I mean, I'm doing this podcast talking about it. But um, here's here's why I put it all away 
for so long. Because I didn't have time to deal with it. Right? Yeah, so, okay, so use March 25th. Let's just say March, let's just pretend March 25th was the first day that anything went in a box. Right? And after that ambush, I mean, it's not like, oh, hey, oh, it's all over. Let's go sit down and have some dinner and talk about what we did and do it after action. No, man, we're in the middle of a war. It's continuous ops. There's bad dudes all over the place. We're marching at this point on Ad Diwania. A storm comes in. It was the mother of all storms. I'm trying to get Quintero a medevac. We've got Doc Johnson um, who was killed. We're trying to repair gear. We're trying to get new, new ammo. Storms coming in, reports of armored columns, BMPs coming in from the from the west and this and that, processing intel from the dude that we captured and you know, we were up all night. Like it didn't just stop because I had a bad day. Or it didn't life didn't, didn't didn't stop or the war didn't stop or everybody didn't just say time out because we just had a moment. Right? You had to keep doing. You had to keep working. So I don't even think what happened that day really fully sank in. Because we were up all night long running thermals, walking the lines because our platoon had pretty much all of the high-tech gear. We were the anti-armor platoon and um, between us and the tanks. So we went all around the battalion coil just trying to help provide some type of, of security blanket using the thermals to see through this this thick sandstorm and super pitch black. It was crazy how dark it was. You know, and then the next thing you know, gunfire goes off in this quadrant, and then gunfire goes off in that quadrant, and reports of armored column coming in. It was just a hectic, hectic night. No sleep. And then the next day, it's like, okay, hey, we got to get reset. That was the first big, big contact the battalion had as a whole that day. Um, people jittery, really, real green unit, you know. Um most of the men had never never been most of most marines at this point in their careers have never been to combat you know the only combat i had seen i mean i i had seen some combat before in africa but it was low intensity it was it was um yeah it doesn't matter what it was well it was it was low intensity it wasn't like we weren't we're not war but um you know i had i had done some things as a young young 20 year old and so <clears throat> excuse me and uh anyways i didn't have time to to sit there the world's not stopping for tosh and a couple people that just did something to like process this i remember going to see chief warrant officer erickson he's a great buddy of mine i really wish we were still close um love that guy and i went to seek him out he was our nbc officer and uh just to just to say hey because i was time time had passed and things had started to settle in and i was just like whoa like that was crazy yesterday man what the hell did we just do you know the reality starts to sink in and i went to seek him out because he's a good buddy you know and lifting buddy mature a little older had seen some stuff was in the gulf war and um you know we just sat there and i was smoking i just started i just started smoking (laughs) that, that like that day um and he just saw it. I was frazzled, man. And he just said, "Hey, get your shit together, dude." He just talked to me like a man, like needed to be. He didn't. He didn't dick dance around, being all sensitive and polite. And he just said it like it was. Just get your shit together, dude. You got men counting on you. This ain't over. 
we got we, got, we don't know how long we have we're going to Baghdad you know we got you think this is going to be the worst day you're going to have you know pull your panties up here and then he grabs his canteen cup and he pours we didn't have a lot of water <laughs> and he poured a little tiny bit of water in his canteen cup and he pulled out a razor he said shave and you know I did no shaving cream just cold water on a probably a two week old growth I just started carving my face and it was it was like it was settling but just being with him he wasn't asking me questions he wasn't telling me hey I'm gonna be okay you know Jesus is gonna forgive you or you're just doing what your country asked you to do don't take it personally he wasn't giving me all that bullshit he was telling me to pony up man because I had men counting on me and you got a job to do you're a professional and so you don't have time to deal with this now we'll do it later on better terms and it was super valuable super valuable uh left that we got back in the trucks and we just started the march up and sure enough i don't the next I think it might have been even been that afternoon more contact waxing dudes and the next day some more contact doesn't even matter what happened but inevitably for the next nine months you know running and gunning um for the for the better part of OAF1 and then the SASO the search see, no, I don't even know security and stability operations whatever the hell that broke ass shit was and um deal with that like you don't have time to process things you don't have time you just kept putting shit. Every time you had another experience, you just put it in the back, in the, in the basket or the box. And then another experience, you just put it back in a box. It's like, hey man, I don't. I, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep having these. I'm gonna keep putting stuff in there. And eventually, that box needed to get replaced with a bigger box. And then you couldn't find a box big enough, so you got another box. Except you were smarter this time. You didn't get a small box because you figured out that yeah, you're gonna keep putting things in, so you got another big box. And um, finish up the war, go back to the States, and, um, you know, you're returning your family and getting things set up and processing that. And didn't really, didn't really want to pull the box down and look at it yet. I wasn't ready to. And I think that was fine. I think that was fair. I just wasn't ready to start digging in there. Plus, you know, you're dealing with all the hype, like, oh, man, like, because your reputation starts to feed you too, right? You're you're Tosh, you've done this, you've done that. Like you think you think March twenty fifth was a crazy day. You should hear some of the other stories. If you were if you were witness to some shit that we did, you'd be like, Whoa Man, that's another that's another this, that's another that, that's another this, that's another that. But so um and then we started gearing up for Fallujah, man. And it was like, hey, we're going back to Fallujah. The first Fallujah was broke. Um, poor, poor policy, diplomacy, whatever, ideas, something, something. I don't know. Not my business to point fingers, but it just didn't. It didn't work. And so Fallujah two, Al Fajr was getting ready to kick off, and uh, I wasn't even supposed to be there. I was supposed to be in Quantico as an instructor, and it was like, hey, man, there's only. Our battalion only had a handful of dudes left over from OAF-1 because um, there was just a mass exodus 
of not only leadership, specifically leadership, but like a lot of the men, there wasn't a lot of combat experience. Um, there was very little, uh, very little um, leadership in terms of senior staff NCOs and officers that were in OF1 back in the battalion at the time. We're getting ready to go to Fallujah, so I just kept, you know, Colonel Malay, Pat, and, and Bob, they they just kept working orders for me. Hey, let's just keep Tosh long, a little bit longer, frock him to captain, whatever, give him a company. We gotta, we just need to get him to train some dudes. He's good at his job, and so your your head just goes there. And then it was like, hey, I'm going to Fallujah, man. So I left early because we thought that it was it'd be harder to make me come back home and go to Quantico if I was already in in country than it would be if I was you know in California. So I jumped on a, a flight and went out couple weeks early and I tell you that place was hell Fallujah there's there's uh I mean we we fought we fought and killed more people before we even assaulted the city than we did in the city I mean we were fighting almost every day every night we were killing people at down at TCP1 I mean that was and then we did these raids and we did these feints and we had this massive six, seven, eight hour gunfight on the train trestles that one day, man. And then we go into Fallujah and that was nightmare, man. That was just spooky, crazy, urban, urban combat. Every door. I mean the men were the men were amazing. They 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 dealt with way more than I did. Um I had the luxury of sitting overwatching, supervising, giving guidance, you know, thinking forward, thinking next steps, next steps. The men were responsible for like the, the here and the now kicking door after door, hundreds of thousands of doors and not knowing every door they kicked in, if it was going to blow up or someone was going to shoot at them from inside the door. And then I had the luxury of just when gunshots started to go, okay, well that's where my place of duty is right there to help solve this problem. So I kind of, I kind of had a luxury there and then, did a lot of things in Fallujah. All put it in a box. Put it all in a box, man. It's the same thing. Don't have time. Don't have the luxury. The men are counting on you. The men deserve it. The men deserve your A game. You're obligated to to bring it. People are counting on you. And I'm not getting all weird and corny. Oh, your nation's counting on you. Like, whatever, man. For us, for us down there, who gave a shit about it wasn't about America. It wasn't about liberty. It wasn't about freedom. It wasn't about George Bush. It wasn't even about the Marine Corps and the legacy and traditions and honor. It was It was about those dudes are counting on me, period. That's it. You know, these guys that I love. And so you think they need me to, to, to cry at night because you know, shot a couple kids. You think they need me to do that? Like, no, they need me to put that shit in a box and keep going and shoot some more dudes the next day because I'm going to do my best to bring as many home as possible. And, uh, unfortunately we didn't bring everybody home. Well, we brought everybody home, but we had, uh, we had four, four guys killed, um, during all that. Uh, and a handful more wounded and then a bunch of suicides, and I wear that shit on my shoulders too. And so it all goes in a box. It all just goes in a box. 
And then I left Fallujah. I got pulled out of Fallujah. General Tonsky pulled my punk card. Said, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in Quantico. I want your ass there December 1st. All right, fine. So uh, so I had to leave the men. Uh, the cool thing is, is all the, all the, all the dirty con. I wasn't good at the peacekeeping shit anyways. I wasn't good at the other less intense stuff. It was just, it was easier for me just to flip the switch and go. So it worked out good because the, all the, all that nasty stuff was done. And, um, then I, then I got pulled out, but I still feel like I left the dudes. I don't think half of them understand that wasn't my choice. Um, but anyways, <clears throat> put it on a box, fly straight from Fallujah, literally, you know, hop a cop, uh, get a Humvee ride to Blue Diamond, talk to so-and-so, bum a ride on a helo to get to this base, to drop, to, to get a C-130 to this base, and then just hope that somebody's got a commercial ticket for you to fly. Fly to Atlanta, fly from Atlanta to Baltimore, get picked up in Baltimore by a buddy, get driven to Quantico, get a good night's sleep in a fresh bed, wake up the next morning and, and drive with them into work to report to duty. I had some amazing friends. I had some amazing friends. Like they put they knew this was happening. They put my uniform all together, they got it all tailored, they got it all cleaned, all that stuff so it was ready. You know, and then I get to get to Quantico and now you're at the basic school. You know, you're at the basic school. That's the the premier training institution for the Marine Corps. I mean, every officer has to go through the basic school um, to learn how to be a Marine Corps officer. And uh, you're an instructor there now. And then then you slide over to be the uh, instructor at the infantry officers course, where every infantry officer goes through it. Ground intel goes through it, and some other special dudes go through it. And you're putting your thumbprint on the next generation of lieutenants you gotta have your A game you don't have time to be needing more personal time to, you know and then just repeat this process man back to the fleet as a company commander again and do that you know this time dealing with a corrupt corrupt battalion commander a, a, a corrupt colonel and a almost almost equally corrupt sergeant major who just they're trying to snipe you left and right man I don't know what their problem was. I hate, hate, they just, they always try to cut me off at the legs to build themselves up something, some kind of professional jealousy. But, you know, the colonel is a, is a, is a bad human being. The colonel is a bad human being. Anyways, fuck that guy. Um, so you don't have time to, to be showing weakness or pulling this thing off the box, the box out of the closet and wrestling with that stuff and asking for help and, and going through that gotta have your A game and then go through divorce and you know and then your ex-wife reaching out at everything while well, you're broken your combat broken your PTSD this your PTSD that and it's whatever man I don't okay hey fine I'm gonna keep the box in the closet because I'm not broken I'm just not ready to, to deal with this I don't I don't have time for it people have expectations you got an image to uphold and this is what's going through my mind I mean whether I knew it or not but this was happening um, I'd, I'd, I'd say the ego was probably involved as well. I'd be, I'd be naive not to think that it wasn't. Um, so leave there, go to, go to the Naval Academy for a retirement tour. Three years at the Naval Academy, man. You want to talk about an amazing, amazing duty station? 
four thousand something midshipmen just looking up to you. They've heard all your stories. They have this this image. And I'll tell you what, you do not want to you want to do no harm, man. That's General Mattis. Do no harm. No matter what you did there, you wanted to make sure that you did not start one of these young men or women's careers off with a tarnish or a bad idea. You wanted to bring your A. At least I did. I felt that sense of professional obligation. Many peers didn't. Um, I went there to work. I didn't go there to have a good time. I didn't go there to relive my heydays as a midshipman. I didn't go there to, and I wasn't a midshipman. I didn't go there to live Navy football and poise myself for career advancement or set myself up with cushy, cushy connections so I could retire. I didn't go there for that. I went there to work, period, as a professional. And I worked. I probably worked harder there for three years than I did my whole career. It a it a it a it a sustained high op tempo. Um, it was re- very rewarding, super rewarding. You think you got time to pull pull your box down there? I didn't didn't want to. And part of it was I just didn't want to. I was doing well in life. I mean, managing. It was safe up there. You know. Yeah. Okay. Looking back, it was it was taking mental resources in some form or fashion, whether aware or not, to keep it up there and keep it protected and continue to, to sandbag and bunker it in deeper and deeper. At least, But at least I wasn't putting anything else in the box anymore, man. You know? I retired. I left. I literally just didn't go to work, like, Monday morning. And people knew that I was getting out. You know, you got to put your retirement papers in. You got to go to class, retirement class, bullshit class. And then, um, you know, I had a really good relationship with Colonel Healy, Dan Healy. What a great man. And it was just like, hey, dude, hey, boss, like, uh, I don't want any formation, no party, no this, no that. I'm starting my terminal leave early during summer break. Um, I'm just going to go to uh, senior chief's office and grab my award and... I'm leaving. Here's a handshake. I hope to see you again. I went and said goodbye to a couple more people. Like, I'm not coming back to work Monday. And that was it. I said goodbye to like three, four people, man. <laughs> the Marine Corps didn't throw a party when I came in. Why that, Why should they throw a party when I leave? You know? You're just one person, a big cog. You need a special attention, big party. Like, look at me. So let's celebrate me and my career. Fuck that. You know? That's not how I work. Um, I was given a, an amazing opportunity to serve my country and I did that and I was rewarded many times over for the hard work that I put in I mean geez we celebrate Veterans Day I mean that's a that's that's a holiday there's a there's a national holiday for for me because I'm a veteran I mean I mean come on if that's not you know I get 20% off at Abercrombie Fitch what do I need what do I need a party you know what I mean I get to get on the airplane first when they when they say you know military I mean, I get a retirement check. What more do I need? What more do I, I, I feel like I got to ask for more. I don't need a retirement party. Celebrate me. I'm getting, I got, I'm getting more than I deserve as it is. Blessed. I was blessed to have the opportunity to serve my country in a time of crisis and, and act and, and perform honorably and give my best so that my son and my daughters and my loved ones hopefully didn't, don't have to do this, you know? That was my reward. That's all I needed. And I was happy with that. I think that's 
also part of uh, how I processed or, or how I was, it was okay keeping the box up there and how I'm processing, pulling it off now and, and kind of being successful through my transition. But, um, yeah. And so then I retired. Everything's good. Now it's like, okay, Hey, maybe the box can kind of come down I'm on my own terms. I'm safe. I'm, I'm not in that career anymore and it's good. And then of course I have to go through a court battle with my ex-wife to get more visitation than, and, and a little bit more cooperation than I felt that I, I deserved. And that long process, you know, a lot of mud was thrown at me and it's like, yeah, okay, hey, what, what, now I'm going to pull the, now I'm going to pull the box down now. And I mean, I'm already being accused of X, Y, and Z and this and that, this and that. And it's like, come on, man. So now what, what, I got to pull the box down have all that trash out there. Nope. Keep it up there. Throw some more sandbags on it. It's good. It's good up there. But now I'm finally at this place, you know, recently within the last couple of months, I just started to open up more. I feel I've been pulling these sandbags off of those boxes, you know, opening them up, allowing myself opportunity to go in there and just kind of look and explore a little bit more. And, uh, it's good. It feels good. 